Morning, Glory America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt. That music means it's time for the Hillsdale Dialogue, our weekly conversation about big, important, sometimes way back in history issues with Dr. Larry Arne, president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale are collected at hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations now, many years of them, are at hughforhillsdale.com. And Dr. Arne is also the chairman of the 1776 Commission, uh, much about that coming up in weeks ahead. But today, the issue is what ought the Congress to do in the aftermath of Wednesday's riot within it? Dr. Arn, good morning. It's a serious subject, so I just want your your view on what happened, why, and what it portends, if anything. Uh, well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a long story, isn't it? Um, uh, it starts with the facts about the election, which are extremely questionable. And we can talk about that. Uh, but uh, I think the president made a mistake, and the nature of the mistake is not hard to identify. Uh, the, if you go and read the Constitutional Convention, uh, when they get to choosing the executive, the debate is extremely interesting. Uh, James Madison was for the national popular vote. Uh, since the Congress was against that, or the, uh, the convention was against that, because they wanted to distribute the picking of the president across the country, you know, and what, much on their minds, Madison's too, was how to unite a great country into a single system of representative rule, which had never been done before. So then they went to the state executives and they thought, uh, well, there's a, not, not very many of them, and you could have a cabal, and you could have horse trading, and people could pick somebody for president that they, you know, that to get something for it. And then they thought the state legislatures, which is more numerous and better, and then they thought they can pick electors. And then they thought the electors will meet in their states separately. And they can't pick anybody who's already an official. And they can't pick people from their states. And so the whole thing was to make the thing neutral and widespread. And so that means that the state legislatures are the – and remember, it doesn't say the state governments, which means the – all three branches of the state, it means it's just state legislatures. And you can compare that with the way Congress, the Congress is the judge of seating of all of its members, right? So Nancy Pelosi, I think, is trying to unseat somebody from some state right now, and they certainly have the power to do that. So it's the legislatures, and that means that when the legislatures settle on some electors, the only remedy for it is to get them to change. And, I, you know, there was a huge effort right up to the last day, January the 6th, to get them to change. And I live here in Michigan and know some of them and was very much of the view that they were never going to change. And so that means that probably this was over. Uh, and it would have been better if, it, you know, at least two weeks ago, but maybe a month ago, it just would have been better if we had all acknowledged that and if President Trump had it acknowledge that and uh and then so then you know there's a demonstration they say he incited a riot uh he called for them to be peaceful peaceable repeatedly in his remarks so he certainly didn't intend to do that uh and you know it it got out of hand for several reasons as far as i can tell so that's now, a, Dr. Arndt, let, let's pause there for a moment. I did not see the speech. I was recording at the Nixon Foundation, uh, the 
108th anniversary tribute to President Nixon and doing all the sorts of stuff that goes into that. So I didn't see him actually speech. I'm told Rudy Giuliani called for trial by combat and the president urged people to march on the Congress and fight. I don't know what Donald Trump Jr. did. Um, but you think he said peaceful? Well, I've read the transcript this morning. He says peaceable two or three times. That's news um, to me. Okay. Yeah, and he, he, you know, so I, you know, maybe the transcript I read is wrong, and I didn't see it either. I don't, as you know, I don't, I, I'm a, a weak, I'm weak as a pundit because I have a real <laughs> job and because I don't watch TV news, which is apparently where reality is located now. But uh, so, and, you know, I he even offered to walk down to the Capitol with them. So I don't think he was imagining uh any physical assault, and surely that's, you know, so, but on the other hand, he called the crowd together, and and uh, that's, you know, so he has responsibility for that. And, and let, let's pause there. I asked Governor Christie this morning uh, about potential liability of the president to the family of the dead police officer, because tort liability as opposed to criminal liability does not depend upon intent. It depends upon negligence and recklessness. What is foreseeable and what is the proximate cause of injury? Do you think he is the proximate cause of that man's death? No. Uh, and here's why. Um, the, you know, protests and rallies are American as apple pie. And, you know, it's worth noting that this protest and rally is being treated very differently than the sustained violence that went on in the country over the summer. Uh, and that's, you know, not right. And, and the point is, the Trump rallies are tremendous phenomena, and they have been almost entirely peaceable. And the people who go, there are people from, you know, I, so I see them, and sometimes I know people among them. I, I've never been to a Trump rally, but I've been in the place where they were being held, and there are a lot of people, and those are people from middle America who pay their own way to get back there. Uh, and, and so it's, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I, uh, you know, how, why, uh, you know, a group of them, and I don't know how many it was, but maybe 100 or 200, went across the, poli the police line and went into the Capitol building. I believe the number is actually over 1,000, Dr. Ron, but I'm not sure. I see. Okay. Well, that's you know that's bad. They shouldn't have done that. And it's a you know it's a breach of the law. Oh, they all have got to be prosecuted. Yeah. Somebody is going to be prosecuted for murder, and felony murder is not out of the question for all of them. Yeah, that's right. So, so it's a bad thing. And and uh, uh, as I I, I uh, remember, remind you, remind everybody that governors all over the country joined those protests that were accompanied by riots this summer. And people were harmed and businesses were burned and people were killed. And uh, we don't do much about that. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to bring up that in the impeachment conversation in our third segment. Uh, but I, I want to go back to, you know the president, and I know the president. And I wrote in the Washington Post, I do not believe he intended this, but he ought to have foreseen that the outer fringe of his support was capable of it. That's my judgment thus far. I haven't seen anything to disturb that. What do you think about my judgment? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I uh, don't know about the outer fringe. Um, 
um, I, I, I am confident, but I, you know, you say I know him. I've had one extended conversation with him in my life, uh, but you know, and it wasn't that was with twenty other people in the room. Uh, but I am uh, confident that he did not intend those people to work violence, and I do think that he was much too stubborn. Uh, because, as I say, it, it you know the constitution. If you go back and read the, con- I, I, I summarized it. If you read the con- the notes of the federal convention, they're actually trying to get the decision to be as impartial. That means as little personally connected to the to the to the people who do the choosing, the outcome mattering to them personally as much as possible. And so when it comes from the states, and you know. I, I think in Michigan, I, I actually think that the election was lost in the summer, and I think that uh, the election laws were vastly relaxed, but only in certain places. I also believe that the constitutional issue here, his biggest breach of the Constitution, was leaning on the vice president to depart from his constitutionally ordained role, which is ministerial. Well, uh, you know, I know the vice president, and I, I, I do claim to know him. And you know, spoke with him during this time, and I never thought that he would do that. And uh, and uh, he, you know, and I advised him not to. And uh, uh, <clears throat> but leaning on him, right? Um, you know, making an argument—that's not—is that a breach of the Constitution? I don't know. If he attempted to force him somehow. Um, but, you know, people are people, and, you know, my, my Vice President Pence is a grown man, and, and uh, you know, he's plenty capable of standing up for himself, and it's his office, not President Trump's. Interesting, but we'll come back to this, uh, because uh, if you accept my view that he did not intend the riot, he certainly did intend the pre- Vice President to do something. We have to talk about whether or not it's good for the country to be impeached, and then we will talk about one rule for every rioter in the third segment. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Larry Arn is on The Hugh Hewitt Show. There's a lot of spin on the news out there. Where do you hear the truth? Right here. As soon as Hugh Hewitt returns, this is The Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt, joined by Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue, our weekly climb up a high mountain to talk about something important. Uh, Dr. Arn, there is a incredible movement to impeach the president and remove him with 13 or 12 days now left in his term. I believe that's deeply injurious to the future of the office and the Constitution. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I think two things. First of all, I think back to Trump's first statements after he was elected in 2016. And he was asked on the first day, if I remember, if memory serves, in his first press conference, should we impeach Hillary Clinton? And he said, no, no, we're not going to go into that. Uh, And that, you know, a lot of people were angry with him about that. But I think that was exactly right. And uh, you just put it this way, right? Uh, The consequences of politics, right, if they get... The, the more severe they get, the greater the tendency to violence. 
that arises. And and so, you know, in the in the in the Politburo of the Soviet Union, after Stalin, uh, when Stalin was in power, they didn't have to shoot anybody in the cabinet because he had complete power. And, you know, they did arrest them in the cabinet meeting. Well, they shot, they, they dragged Berea right after he died uh, out of the Politburo meeting and shot him. Yeah. And so, and then they sort of thought about that a little bit and they made a, re- made a resolution, they're not going to do that anymore. And they never did it again, right? Because, you know, Wow, look around you. <laughs> You're next. So you can't, you know, you don't want that. And what people have to remember that uh, Donald Trump, you know, like him or not like him, uh, and I've always liked him more than not liked him, but of course plenty not to like, um, uh, he represents tens of millions of people who have grievances and feel the, the political system sh- sh- uh, sh- uh, slipping out of their control. And it's not, in my opinion, slipping out of their control into you know the hands of another majority. I think it's a minority. I think there's you know there's a kind of ruling class set up now and they have their interest and they I mean look at in this election, I mean what if 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 Donald Trump's son had been, if there had been a computer found about him signing a big uh, contract with the Russians, do you think that wouldn't have been on the front page and the lead story on every and and the main uh, response to every Google search and featured on YouTube every day? And that story about Hunter Biden was simply suppressed. And and uh, you know you had to go down pages to get to the story. If you did a search, I did one. Uh, to get to, you know, past all the things that this is just bunkum and there's nothing to it. And so that's, you know, in other words, that's pretty bad. And and that is dangerous to the political system. And how are you going to fix that? And some call to the people is the only way to go about it, in my opinion. And that's why I, I, I think that, and you know, did Donald Trump rule unconstitutionally? I think not. Uh, you know, William Barr, who's become his critic, answered a question at a speech he gave at a Hillsdale event, and he said, we've gone right down the line, following the law, appealing to the courts, getting third parties to judge with us what the powers of the presidency are. That's what you want. And I think he did that. And I think his, his uh, you know, his vices, such as they are, he's got virtues, too, he's obviously a courageous man, is that He's, he talks about himself too much, and probably he thinks about himself too much. And that's a vice all of us have, and maybe he has it a lot. Uh, and that, you know, and I think that means that uh, a great thing to do, you know, I, the vice president asked me more than once, what should he do? And I said, well, there's some boundaries. I said, the first thing is you probably ought to say, this is not about me and Donald Trump anymore. This is about fair elections. And I even floated the crazy idea, but, you know, not to anybody important enough to make it happen, and it couldn't have happened. Maybe what Trump should do is say, if I vindicate this election and prove that I won it, uh, I'll surrender to Mike Pence in 30 days. Because it's questionable, you know, what he was doing. And he was never going to do that, but that kind of thing would have been good. 
I'll be right back because there's some things going on that are definitely not good. And we will talk about that. The speech of the president-elect yesterday, the response by Marco Rubio, and one rule to serve them all. Next on The Hugh Hewitt Show. You're in the middle of a non-stop action-packed information blitz. The Hugh Hewitt Show is coming right back. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt, joined by Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale is found at hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations going back many years all found at Hugh for Hillsdale.com. The Hillsdale Dialogue each week goes big. This week, the big thing is right in front of us, Wednesday's uh, riot inside the Capitol, which led to this speech yesterday, an excerpt from President-elect Biden, cut number five. What we saw yesterday, in plain view, was another violation of the fundamental tenet of this nation. Not only do we see the failure to protect one of the three branches of our government, We also saw a clear failure to carry out equal justice. I'm sure if you used to say in the Senate, excuse a point of personal privilege. A little over an hour and a half after the chaos started, I got a text from my granddaughter, Finnegan Biden, who's a senior in her last semester at the University of Pennsylvania. She sent me a photo of military people in full military gear, scores of them lining the steps of the Lincoln Memorial because of protests by Black Lives Matter. She said, Pop, this isn't fair. No one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently than the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol. We all, we all know that's true. And it is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. So that was followed by Senator Marco Rubio uh, last night. Cut number one. Look, I don't understand these guys. These, these, I saw Joe Biden's speech today, okay? It was an opportunity for him to sort of, at this moment, the day after all of that, sort of calm things down. And instead, he goes off for 20 minutes and talks about everything that happened last summer. And if this was black protesters, the police would have responded differently. The police, they showed tremendous restraint yesterday. That's why potentially one of them is, we know now is dead. Maybe that's why or whatever. But, but the point being is that there was no need for that. You know what that does? That makes everybody bow up and go back to their corner. Everybody's outraged by what happened yesterday. A lot of people are thinking to themselves, maybe politics has gotten too hot right now. And then you come out with a speech like that. And, um, and, and I don't think that does any good for anybody. I, I, I'm really disappointed in, in Biden's speech today. I expected more and better. Dr. Arn, your reaction to the president-elect and Senator Rubio's comments about the senator, uh, about the president-elect? Well, you know, the riots went on for a long time uh, this summer. And, you know, the consistent person that I know about this is Tom Cotton, because he called for troops to stop the summer riots, and he called for troops to stop this riot yesterday. And that's the right thing, right? You know, the, 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 uh, 
public order is the first responsibility of government, and it's got to be maintained. And so the line between peaceable assembly, which is a right, and I, I remind you, which has been disrupted in America during this pandemic as much as ever in American history. But that line between that, which is a right, and then working violence to get your way, that's a, that's a fine line, but it's got to be a guarded and rigid line. So I had uh, Senator Cotton on yesterday, and he reiterated the one rule for everyone, which is violence is not acceptable. And what Senator Sass said this morning is the one purpose of government is to have a monopoly on violence in the public square, that they are the only people that may use violence in pursuit of the law, and that that, that rule has been abdicated, and it was abdicated on Wednesday, and the consequences of that are like Shays' Rebellion, the Whiskey Revolt. We, we've got instances, and then ultimately disunion in 1861, where the monopoly on force is challenged. So how do you get back from that, Dr. Arndt? Well, you know, it, it's uh, first of all, this is all very dangerous, right? I mean, we have to understand this, you know, I think that the there's a threat to the electoral system. And what does it have to do with? Well, uh, there are these laws to make sure that every citizen gets to vote and 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 these laws that make sure that only they may vote and also that they get to vote for themselves and if they don't want to go vote they don't have to go vote and nobody gets to vote for them then and so it looks to me like those laws are breaking down uh... under relentless pressure of against voter suppression but the truth is you know private parties ought not to be entering names into the voter rolls uh... But they did, apparently, in this. If you look at the Amistad Project of the Thomas More Law Center, that, uh, that lays out what happened about the Zuckerberg gifts. And, and uh, it's just, you know, and I, you know, it doesn't prove that the election was stolen, but gosh, it's suspicious, and it does prove that the safeguards were relaxed or removed. And so people are worried about that, right? And they feel their country slipping out of their hands. And then, you know, this censorship by the media companies and the tech companies, which is very sophisticated uh, by the tech companies now, that's just, you know, that's serious. And, uh, and so, yeah, people are, but, but we have to restrain ourselves, too, because whatever else we do, we don't want to make this worse. And uh, so there you are. Uh, well, and, I, you know, I think Biden has it exactly backwards, by the way, because, uh, uh, you know, the, the devastating thing that happened uh, at, on January the 6th, the, the two devastating, there were some deaths, that's devastating, but then they broke into the Capitol, right? They, they, they basically, they walked into the Capitol, they weren't restrained by the police, but they crossed a police barrier, and that's a symbol of the nation's democracy, you know how the Capitol is designed? It's very beautiful, and we've changed it some now. Uh, I'm afraid we'll change it more now. But the reason that it's up on the hill and the reason that the steps are very wide leading up to it is so that it, it gives a sense that everybody's welcome. It's a, pa it's a place that the people can use. 
but, you know, of course, only peaceably. And then when you go in, you're in a wonderful rotunda that's uh, tremendous, right? And uh, uh, they've changed it in ways that, and, you know, architects, you know, I'm, I myself have fallen into the clutches of a bunch of classical architects. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they make beautiful things, and like our chapel. Uh, but they, if you, some of them have written about this, right? They, uh, they, they, uh, then you walk into this spacious open rotunda, and, and that's, you know, the people's place. Well, if that is violated by the people misbehaving or going there when they ought not, then that's, you know, bad and dangerous. And, uh, that just should not have happened, and the people who did it should be prosecuted. Uh, is insurrection the appropriate term? No. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, you have to know the intent of the people, and uh, and but it wasn't. Uh, you know, were they attempting to seize the government and prevent its carrying out its duties? Uh, I don't think so, and I think that's what insurrections are for. But it's, you know, a serious breach of the law, and it should be prosecuted. Now, I want to go to a, a column I wrote for the Washington Post on Wednesday at their request. And I began it with Lincoln's first inauguration, where he said, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Uh, I got a lot of snickers for that, Dr. Arne. Uh, interesting uh, that people snicker at Lincoln now. What do you make of that? Is that even possible right now? Is that sentiment uh, sincere when he made it? Is it applicable now? Well, um, uh, it's always applicable, of course. Um, if, uh, you know, Lincoln, uh, when Lincoln said that, Lincoln's first inaugural is like all of the best performances of Abraham Lincoln and all of the serious performances of Abraham Lincoln are great. It's, uh, it lives in memory, Right. And, you know, the better angels of our na nature and the hearthstones, you know, we've shared, all that stuff. That's wonderful. And, of course, what happened, you know? Civil War. We, we, yep. we killed 600,000 of each other. And, uh, and we, we, we must pray that we, it doesn't go there now. And, and it, it shouldn't. And, uh, and, you know, what we have to do is argue uh, and think and talk. And uh, that's... You know, in, in uh, the first paragraph of the Federalist Papers, it says, uh, uh, our, our people is uh, designed to demonstrate whether a people can be go governed by reflection and choice or must ever depend upon accident and force. Well, once it depends on force, that's a massive breakdown. And, you know, if, and we, we came through that once, and we don't want to do that again. Now, the, the consequence, the, uh, Chris Christie was on today as well and faults the president primarily for not accepting not the results of the election, but the results of the litigation. And I sort of agree with that, uh, that it was it was written large in judicial proceedings, superintended by Trump judges who are good judges. There's there's just no question about their qualification. At that point, ought to have to accepted their ruling that he had not made a case instead of continuing to flame the suspicion that he had a case that was not yet revealed? Well, that, you know, I, I think I said on the show that uh, this, what the state legislatures do is more important. Uh, and they all did 
something, some of them Republican legislatures. And I think that uh, they had failed in important duties over the summer, as I say, but they did it, right? And then, and then, in addition, the judges ruled against them, against him. And they're, all of them did. And I'm not even surprised by that, because that's not what courts do, right? They, you know, Hamilton, I, I, I believe that we give too much emphasis to the Supreme Court as the decisive thing and lawyers in our time. Excuse no, me. we like lawyers on this yeah, show. Yeah, we, like, we like them, but they should be kept in their place. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he, so, you know, Hamilton calls it the least dangerous branch. And, you know, I, in my opinion, it's never been very good at standing up to the popular branches. And so these terrible decisions that, it's, that they have made over the years, they tend to be decisions that are made that dramatically change things when the country is divided and when the wind is at their back in some important respects, right? So, so they, you know, and, and we don't want the courts to think like that. We want them to stay in their place. It's a very important place because any, anybody gets accused of a crime, and we have called for some people to be prosecuted today, they need to go in, in front of a judge who is independent of all these events. Hold that thought. I've got to take a break and we'll be back because the judiciary is, in fact, Donald Trump's greatest domestic achievement. It's also where much of this must be decided and credibility of it is so crucial. Dr. Arndt, we'll be right back. This is The Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Joined by Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. As we went to break, we were talking about the role of the judiciary, Article 3, the least dangerous branch, but increasingly the, deci the decisive branch. They hung back, Dr. Arn, during this election cycle. They refused to hear cases. Do you approve of that reluctance, or do you wish they had intervened? Uh, I, I, well, as I was saying before the break, I don't think that they were ever the proper party to settle all this. Um... Uh, uh, but I, you know, and uh, I, I, there's, the argument goes, well, start at the beginning. There's a law. The law says how elections are going to be uh, run. The law is openly uh, abandoned, relaxed, right? There are consent decrees that were negotiated between attorneys general or secretaries of state and parties suing them in court that basically constitute an agreement that the state laws as they exist will not be followed. Well, that, you know, that happens, I guess, in American legal practice now, but it ought not to happen. And, and so somebody aggrieved by that can sue in a court, and the court could rule, was the law followed or not? So the cases that involve that question, those look to me like legitimate cases of legal dispute. Uh, the case that... Uh, I saw X and Y uh, that's bad, and there were a lot of bad things seen in the counting of the ballots that make one suspect the whole thing was rotten. I saw X and Y, and I'm suing because that invalidates the whole election in the state. No election, no, no judge is going to do that, nor should he. Um, so it's, you know, it's a... Uh, it, uh, 
the Constitution and the laws are under stress right now. And I don't think the stress is coming mostly from Donald Trump, but I think he made some important mistakes here. Uh, I mean, you know, and maybe even fatal. Uh, but uh, I think it comes from this growth of this administrative form of government that makes all our laws and uh, by, in bodies that are not accountable to the people, at least not in any direct way. And so the frustration with that is growing. And a better way would be to make the laws in the Congress. You know, I will tell you, I decided in August of 2015, because of you, Hugh Hewitt, uh, because you made me watch a Trump rally, which I have no taste for doing whatsoever. And I decided watching that Trump rally, so I could talk to you about it on one of these silly mornings, that Donald Trump is going to win the election. I didn't decide that that was a good thing, or possibly a good thing, until January 28, uh, 2016, when I read an article he published in the Reno, Nevada Gazette, called uh, The Bureau of Land Management and the Rule of Law. Go look it up. I think it's a beautiful argument. And I took that into uh, my workroom where the kids work, and I said, go find Jack Shannon, was the boy's name, really great guy, about to get his Ph.D. at the London School of Economics. I said, go find out everything Donald Trump has said about this. And he said, how far back? And I said, however old he is. <laughs> and, and he found stuff going back to 1989, 1990, that was consistent about this. Trump perceived that this administrative rule, which, of course, affects him as a real estate developer, is not really the rule of law. And so then I decided it might be a good thing for Trump to be elected. Now, I did not support him until the primaries were over. And in the primary, I voted for Ted Cruz. And I did that despite the fact that I thought that Trump was going to win. And, and, I, and the reason I, I thought he was going to win, because I was just looking at the enthusiasm for him. But then I, I didn't think it would be bad. It might be even good. And I voted for Cruz. And, you know, I know Ted Cruz, and I like him. Uh, and I think he's ill-advised in what he did in the last 10 days. But, you know, God bless him. He, and you know, remember, his resolution, by the way, basically ends up in the right place. It was a political misjudgment, I think, because what he says is we should find evidence and present it to the state legislatures, because Cruz is no dummy. And, uh, and so anyway, but I don't think he should have done that. I'm with Tom Cotton on that on that point. Uh, so anyway, there, there you are, right? In other words, it's a great struggle for representative government to be effective and work. And the forces that, you know, every, I've said it before on the show, the media, what that means is somebody in between something and something. So the media is between us and the facts. And, and they increasingly understand themselves to be in a position of power, not in a position of reporting, that is to say, servants of the facts and of us. They define the facts. And it's just, it's just obvious all the time now. Yeah, they well, do. And, and next week we may have to talk about that because that did not exist except in a hydra-headed form that was equal, basically, and understood to be partisan at the time of the founding. Dr. Larry Arn, President of Hillsdale College, thank you as always. Hillsdale.edu for this and all of our conversations, for all of their online courses, for a great place to send your son or daughter to college. 
I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Harley. Heidi, thank you, Ben, and thank you, Dwayne. Get well to everybody on the team. We'll see you on Monday on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. But you absolutely, positively need the truth. This is where you turn. This is the Hugh Hewitt Show.